Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. Thank you, guys. Can you give them a round of applause? I lo- what I love about Mike is most of the time I, I ask him to do things last minute, and I'll say, are you down to do that? And he's like, yeah, scares me, but I'm, I'll do it. But I'm scared, but I'll do it scared. Um, so I just I honor that in you. You're a great example for people who might feel scared and not want to do things. I remember the, the first time that I ever saw someone stand someone up in a church and prophesy over them, and I was highly offended. All of my religion was like, um, no, we don't stand people up, and we don't say things about them in front of other people, even if it's encouraging. Um, and so <laughs> it took me a little bit to get over that one. Um, but, but I realized maybe there are some of you who've never seen that before, and there's an offense. What I would just say is go talk to God about the offense, because um, he probably wants to point something out in you. Um, there you go. Haha. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, as Pastor Jesse said, my name is Nicole. I'm one of the associate pastors here. Um, I, I want to just recognize a couple things before we jump in. I, um, I, I did try to get another powerful woman up here um, to share because I recognized what today could hold for a lot of people. And I'm a celebrator naturally. Um, I like to celebrate all things. I'm like, it's Monday, let's celebrate. Like, that's just my personality. Um, But I'm also keenly aware that today holds probably a lot of different type of emotion, a lot of different types of of people who have faced things over this past year. So the first thing I want to say is I want to equally honor moms. As a mom myself, I want to equally honor you and tell all of the other women and and yourself, I guess, that our identity is not found in motherhood. And I say that as a mom, your identity is not found in you being a mom. Your identity is found in you being a Christ follower. And so if you're a lady in here and someone has told you that you are only as whatever, as how many children you have or raise or how many people that you mother, whether spiritually or naturally, I want to tell you that your identity is rooted and founded in Christ and Christ alone. And that's for the men and the women in here this morning. And, and you know, I, I really I want to create this safe space um, at church today. There's a microphone right there. That's kind of cool. I want to create, I got real confused. I'm like, should I speak out of that one? How do I do that? Um, I want to create this safe place this morning where if you are a mom and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Well, we welcome you in. Neither do we. Um, I want it to be a place where you can come and say, I have no idea what I'm doing. And, and, and if you're a woman and you've been trying to conceive and you're, you're waiting on that miracle in expectancy, I want you to know that, that this is a, a safe place for you. And, and if you are a, um, a biological mom, an adoptive mom, a stepmom, a spiritual mom, I want you to know that you're loved and seen um, and appreciated here. And for those of you who have lost children, or even uh, lost a mom, Pastor uh, Jesse or Chris, one of them, one of these amazing guys said last service, you have a mom cheering you on from heaven. And so I I just want you to know that I recognize the heaviness that you could be bringing in um, this morning. But I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you this morning. 
and I believe that God is faithful. And so regardless of what you're feeling, whether it be on a high or on a low or whatever, um, I can relate to that. I had like a schizophrenic relationship with Mom's Day for a long time. I was like really excited and thankful and then really sad and mourning. And so basically all that to say, I see you, I acknowledge you, and I acknowledge what today, um, what it might bring. And so I want to look at the life of Jesus's mama, Mary. So turn with me. We're going to jump right in. Luke 1, starting in verse 26. Luke 1, verse 26, it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, I want to stop there because I think this is fascinating. First of all, who loved like the kids announcement team? Like they're pretty amazing. So Gabriel is like on the heavenly announcement team, apparently, because he gets to like make all these cool announcements, right? Like we've seen him do this before. He's like the angel that's in charge of the announcement team. So like being on the announcement team is a heavenly role. If you, if you are wondering how to get on that team, come talk to us. But, but Gabriel is on like this heavenly announcement team and he gets to make all the cool announcements. And, and I kind of imagine right here, and this is just the Nicole version, um, so it, scripture doesn't say this, but I kind of imagine Mary's like pouring a glass of water when she happens to look over and see the angel Gabriel. I kind of imagine him lounging, just lounging. He's just hanging out. He's chill. He's good. He's excited, but he's very comfortable um, on his piece of wood or couch or whatever Mary may have had in her living room or kitchen. And, and I imagine Mary's pouring this glass of water when she turns over and she hears Gabriel in his very calm but terrifying voice. Mama's in the house. Who, who has one of those? Very calm and equally terrifying. Just me? Okay. So, so this like super confident, calm voice, but you know there's a lot of power in it. And so, so Mary kind of turns around and, and there's Gabriel, you know, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The next verse says that Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what type of greeting this was. What scripture doesn't say, the part that I find fascinating, is it doesn't say that she was startled and dropped her water. It doesn't say that she turned around and saw this strange person who she didn't know who this was or why they were in her house or in her garden, wherever she may have been. She wasn't startled by by Gabriel. It just says that she wondered what type of greeting this may be. So it, it leads me to believe that maybe this wasn't the first encounter with an angel. It is very interesting. Again, projecting my thoughts. But it doesn't say that she was startled or didn't understand why this angel had been there. It just says that she, she wondered what type of greeting it may be. This is like if someone were to call you, I guess, before um, we could see who it was. If we knew the voice, right, we would just be like, hey, what's up? What's up, Chris? And, and he would begin to talk. 
But if we didn't know who it was, we would say, who, well, who is this? And then what do you want? But she didn't ask who he was. She wasn't startled by his appearance. She was just curious as to what greeting. Just an interesting thing. Verse 30. The angel says to her, do not be afraid. Another famous line of Gabriel. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Valid question. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One will be born and called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So up to this point, God's been silent for about 400 years. And right out of the gate, we see two supernatural births that's taking place here. And I love that Gabriel uses, you know, he, he tells Mary, Elizabeth, your relative, she's actually in her sixth month. That was actually a proof of a miracle. Because <laughs> what ladies in the house, you'd be like, uh, has this ever happened before? Um, anybody else got pregnant when they weren't supposed to in the natural? So Gabriel's at least given her a little bit of proof. And this morning, I want to, I want to title today's message because I know ladies like titles. So I'm going to honor the ladies in the house, but I want to title today's message, carrying the presence of God, carrying the presence of God. It is a great honor that we all can carry and are able and are called to carry the presence of God, not only in us, but around us, not only in our families, but outside of, of our families. And as I read this story, as I thought about what does it look like to carry the presence of God and why Mary, of all people, have y'all ever read that story and you're like, I wonder why they, they chose her? Like, why did heaven, why did God choose Mary? And, and, and I see three things, and I just want to point to these three things this morning in our word. I, I see Mary was a woman who was humble. There's something about humility in God that doesn't make us less, doesn't put us down, but there's a humility that we can walk in that actually propels and promotes God in us. The second thing that I see in her is that she was confident in the word of God. She was confident in God. And then the third is that she was willing that she was willing to carry, it blows my mind, that she was willing to carry the presence of God, knowing the circumstances that she was in. Her humility was unreal. I was sharing with the, the last service. I, you know, carrying a child is already kind of stressful. Like, you just get bigger and more tired and there's just a lot of things you got to do, you know. It's like supposed to be this time of rest and hanging out. But if, especially if you have other kids, there's not a lot of that. But carrying the king might seem like a little bit more pressure. 
right? Like you might choose to do things a little differently or you might work out more, work out less. I might have chosen different vitamins. I don't know. Like you might treat you carrying the presence of God, of Jesus in you. You might be a little, a little bit more extreme. Somebody asked me a couple weeks ago how far along I was. I already forgot. I just said far. Normally, <laughs> normally Paris will answer for me, and I didn't realize until a couple weeks ago. I actually didn't know. But normal, I have the app. I don't have time to look at the app and see what vegetable the baby is. I don't know. I hardly can clean my kitchen, let alone. It's a papaya this month. Okay. But so Paris is typically with me when people ask this, and so he'll answer. And then I don't even have to think about it, but he wasn't with me. And so somebody asked me and I was like, think of a number, hurry, hurry, hurry. I'm really bad at math. So I couldn't even pretend I said far and August 4th. That's just the date we're going for. That's the end date, August 4th. So a couple more months, we're almost there. And they just kind of looked at me like, and you know, like those extreme people who their child's like five years old and they're still telling you in months and you're like, Oh my gosh, those are a lot of numbers. Well, let me do the math. 12 times five is, and it's just, it's way too much. So I'm not one of those people. I'm sorry if you are. I'll just be like, can you give me in like one, two, three, four, five number how old the child is? Not the amount of months that they are. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Too much math for me. Anyways, some people can be extreme. (laughs) I'm a little bit more relaxed in this one. (laughs) Um, But I just imagine if I were carrying Jesus, I'd probably know what vegetable he was. Um, and I would probably be a little bit more <laughs> stressed out in ways that I probably shouldn't be. And you know, it's fun. People will prophesy. They like come up and like want to touch your stomach and all the, all of the stomach, which I'm fine with. I'm like, can you get my shoulders afterwards? But, but people will prophesy over my belly and it's amazing. And I go and write it down in a journal and we, we have little prophetic journals for the kids for when they're older. And so I take, I take those words to heart, you know, I'm like, yes, this is amazing. If it's a good one, if it's not I flush it and it doesn't make it to the journal, but, but I imagine like, like all of these comments that maybe Mary was getting, or, or, or this pressure of what other people would think or what they would say. But when I read this scripture, I, I don't see that Mary was concerned. Her humility was so unreal that she, she didn't ask a lot of questions like I would. Like, how big is Jesus going to be? 10 pounds, 12 pounds, 15? I need to know these things right? Like he's, he's Jesus. Is he a big Jesus? Is he a little, does he come out bigger than normal? I don't know. (laughs) These are good questions, right? Like, but, but in her humility, in in all seriousness, she doesn't ask these types of questions. The the question she asks is, but how will this be since I'm a virgin? Because what Mary does know is that it's customary to be killed. If you were caught in relations before you are formally married, And so very valid question, still incredibly humble. You know, we have a a virgin teenage girl. She was probably between the ages of 12 and 14, which was normal customary to to have kids and get married around then. But, But 
She's living in, in Nazareth, which is one of the poorest, most rundown cities in that region. She's engaged. She's not even yet married. They were like in stage two of, of engagement. Jewish weddings have three stages, and they're like in stage two. So they're not, they're not formally ready, get to have all the fun, kind of married, married yet. But they like sign the contract, and they're like committed, like the covenant has begun. And so imagine yourself for a second trying to tell people, the Holy Spirit has come over me, and now I am pregnant. If you think it's weird now, it's really, really weird then. <laughs> right? Like, guys in the house, even if you're not married, like, imagine you're engaged, and your fiancé comes to you, and she's like, hey, hun." So I have some info to, to give you. This angel appeared to me yesterday. I was having a glass of water, and she said the Holy Spirit would overshadow me, um, and now I'm pregnant. You might have some questions. may not believe her. Anybody? Anybody? Come on. If I did that to Paris, he'd be like, um... Did you fall down? Did you bump your head? Are we doing okay? Like, what am I signing up for here? You'd, you'd have a lot of questions. And, and poor Joseph, the guy gets a lot of flack, but you got to love him because it says that because he was an upright man, <laughs> he was going to divorce her quietly. I think it's because he didn't want her to be killed. But, but he was going to divorce her quietly and go on because the brother wasn't believing it. So much so that in the book of Matthew, we read that God sent the angel of the Lord to Joseph in a dream to tell him it's okay for you to marry Mary. Like he had to send him the angel of God because the guy's not believing it. He's out. And yet when Gabriel comes to Mary and asks, she doesn't say, but what is Joseph going to think? But what's my family going to say? But, but how are my friends going to take this information? She's just humble in her approach of taking on this task that could cost her everything. It, it, it was an, an honor and a task that could cost her everything. But not only was she humble in her approach, but I see a woman of confidence a woman of confidence in the word of the Lord. You know, it, it alludes to when she says to Gabriel, um, for if this is the word of the Lord, it'll come to pass. She's actually quoting Isaiah 7, which talks about the virgin coming and, and conceiving and bearing a son. So she knew the word of the Lord. She was a woman of great confidence in God. And you know, her circumstances... Mary's circumstances did not say this is the right candidate, right? Like she's living in the poorest place. She's really young. She's engaged. She's not married. Her circumstances didn't say you're the chosen person to carry God. You're the chosen person. You've got it all figured out. You're CPR certified. You've nannied for five years. You've worked with children. You've got your life together. You, you're the perfect person. A lot of times God will give us things that we're actually not equipped yet to do because he's given us opportunity to walk into that. In fact, all of scripture, everybody, I feel like, almost everybody, that God chooses to do these crazy things, the least person that you would go after. 
or you would assume would be good for that job. That's why when crazy people come to me or people that seem crazy and they say God's called them to do this thing, I'm like, I believe you because I've seen some crazy thing happen. Like he's used me. If he's used me, let me tell you, he could use you, girl. Our circumstances around us don't determine if we're qualified. But our humbleness in the Lord and our confidence in him, and soon we're going to talk about willingness, those things matter. Our obedience to God, those things matter. It is not how old you are. It is actually not your gender. It is actually not your education. It's not what kind of car you drive or which city you live in. God actually, I don't know that he cares about that. But what he does care about is your obedience to him, your humbleness, your confidence, and your willingness. Mary didn't look at her circumstances, but she said this, if God says it, he'll bring it to pass. When is the last time we got faced with something? We said, well, God, if you say this, I know you'll bring it to pass instead of circling around our circumstances. God, if you say it, I know you're going to bring it to pass. I don't understand it. I don't think Mary understood. Maybe she had all those questions, but, but I'm sure she didn't have it all figured out. She did not know what the future held. But if God says it, he'll bring it to pass, she says to him. The very characteristic of someone who carries the presence of God, I think, will be rooted in our confidence in who God is and what he says he's going to do. I mean, this is a scary thing. This is something that Mary could be killed for. I mean, it was very customary. It wasn't like, maybe I'll get away with this. And so even with all the questions and all the things, like she wasn't going to get a time to settle down and nest and like get her house ready and have fun baby showers, right? <laughs> like it, 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 the scripture even says there was no room for her at the inn to even deliver. Paris and I, we, we've, we've looked at many birth centers and we're like, which one's the most accommodating and the nicest and which one has a, a bathtub because the bathtub's important and then we'll choose the best one. But because of her humbleness and confidence and willingness, those things didn't matter to her. And I believe that there will be a time, actually probably multiple times in our lives where God is going to call us to do something. He's going to conceive in us to birth out a master plan and you are going to have no idea how it's going to happen or when it's going to happen. But if we are confident in what he has said and confident in who he says we are, we'll walk in it with confidence. And there's going to be a time, if not times, in your life where you look absolutely insane. Your friends are going to look to you and say, God said what? Or you're feeling what? Or you're doing what? But if God has, has asked you to do something, if his, if his word to you is X, Y, Z, then it'll come to pass. And you don't need approval from those around you. Now, side note really fast, people around you are really smart and they know you and they can let you know if you're being silly. But at the end of the day, your time with the Lord and your knowledge of who he is and of what his word says will prevail, will matter more. When, when I packed up and moved across the United States, my entire family thought I lost my mind. I kind of was partially with them, but I didn't tell them that. 
But they thought I lost my mind. I'm going after Jesus. I was in that dating Jesus phase. Don't do that. That's weird. But I was in that dating Jesus phase and coming out to Bible college. And they had no idea. They didn't see what God had called me to yet. In time, they did. But they didn't understand it then. Sis was mad. She didn't talk to me for like a year. I'm just kidding. But you missed me. Right? You missed me? Okay. All that to say, there'll be times in our lives when God's called us to do something and it doesn't make sense to people around us and it may not make sense to you, but we stay in this place of being confident in who God is and what he's called us to. And we don't, we don't focus on the things around us or how much money we have or what our nine to five is, or if we have step A, B and C planned out, we stay in this place of knowing what God has called us to do. You might not be accepted on your campus. You may not be the coolest person. You might be the outcast of your family. You, you might be called names, but I think Jesus was too, so you become more like him in that. Mary was humble. She was confident, and she was willing. Her willingness actually blows my mind. Her willingness to carry, to carry God regardless of her, of her age, of her education, of her experience, you know, before, before you become a mom, I, I think you, or before you try and have children, you ask this question. This is probably the same before you get married. You're like, what do I need to do before I do that thing? And like, how do I, how do I prepare myself? For some odd reason, before I got married, I felt like I had to read the book of Revelation. I don't know who gave that to me. Do you remember me telling you about that? It was like so bizarre. So I read like the whole book of Revelation when I thought I was about to get engaged so weird. I don't know what that was about. But, <laughs> but you know, we put these things on us about like, I have to have done this already before I step into this next phase of life. And Mary, like, she didn't have any time to do that. Like, boom, you're overshadowed and now you're pregnant. <laughs> like, you didn't have any time to think about it, right? You didn't have any time to prepare or to whatever, regardless of her age and education, experience and circumstances and where she lived, she was just willing, okay, if that's what your word says, let's do this. Because I think if the Lord only looked at her preparation, she wouldn't have been the right person. She wasn't even married. But who knows, God does not look at these worldly circumstances. He does not care if you own a home. He does not care what kind of car you drive. He does not care how old you are. I say it again, he does not care how old you are. If you are breathing, he actually still has a plan and a purpose for your life. It's not for the 16-year-olds. It's also for the 60-year-olds. If you're still breathing, there, there is still a mighty plan and a purpose for your life. Turn to the person next to you and say, are you willing? Ask them again, are you willing? When I, when I think about... I am, are you? <laughs> Pastor Jesse, are you ready? <laughs> when I think about willingness, I think about the inconvenience. When I think about being willing, I think about being willing to be inconvenienced. 
You know, we can, we can quickly say, I'm, I'm willing. You know, we sing those songs, the ocean song. Um, Spirit, lead me where your trust, where my trust is without borders. Take me upon the waters. I'll go where you call me to go. We sing these songs. And then when God actually does it, we're like, whoa, I'm a little too far deep in. I'm t- I don't like the ocean. I can't see where I'm going. I don't, it's rocky. Like, I'm not into this. God, why would you do this? <laughs> and the Sunday before, we're like, lead me, Father, <laughs> where there are no borders. Like, y'all got to be careful what worship songs y'all singing. Because you are declaring and prophesying over yourself and to God. So y'all need to read these worship songs and make sure you're committed before you start worshiping. Okay? Don't just start singing the song. You need to know what you are saying. But when I think of willingness, I think of being inconvenienced. I think when we're willing, God, we're willing at midnight to get on our knees. We're, we're willing at 4 a.m. to wake up and get time with you because I'm not going to have any other time alone during the day. But I'm so confident in who you say you are and what you've put on my life. I'm going to get up when it's an inconvenient time. Y'all know those people before they had children. I'm one of them. I never had time. And then you have kids and you're like, I had so much time. I had all the time in the world. What did I do? We're like, what did we do with our time? Did we watch a lot of Netflix? Like what, what did we do? If you do not have children, you have all the time in the world. So no excuses. Okay. But our willingness comes out of this place of no matter what it looks like, God, no matter what time it is, no matter what day it is, no matter who it is, God, I'm willing. When I walk into that coffee shop, God, I'm willing. When I wake up in the, God, I'm willing. God, when I face this situation, Lord, I am willing. And sometimes I, I think when we, when we think about willingness, we think about having the favor of God. And, and I've been I've been um, intrigued with favor. I've been studying it for about two years in the Bible, what favor looks like. And I I see two different types of favor. And I want to point out because I I believe it's important. There's one type of favor where it just doesn't make sense. The favor of God is just on someone. Y'all know those people? You're like, that's not fair. Like the favor of God is just on them. And then there's this other type of favor that sometimes even just for a season it doesn't look like the favor of God, but it is. Like being pregnant with Jesus. You, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Oh, by the way, there's not going to be a place to live. You're going to have to flee. Your fiance is going to try to break up with you. Nobody's going to talk to you. You're not going to be liked. That kind of doesn't look like favor in our minds. But the favor of the Lord, and this is what I want to get across, the favor of the Lord is not going to look like what success says in the world. The favor of the Lord looks differently. Y'all with me? The favor of God sometimes looks like inconvenience. But it comes out of this place where we go, God, I'm willing. This does not, and I've had these conversations. You're allowed to have these conversations with God, Lord. This does not look like the kind of favor that I would like favor on my life. (laughs) Can you turn this around? You're allowed to have those conversations. He's allowed to say no, but you're allowed to have those conversations. The favor of God looks different on each of us. And we are all highly favored. And the Lord is with all of us. That word to Mary is actually for all of us in the house. But like her, 
Are we going to humble ourselves in the confidence of who he is and be willing to carry the presence of God regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what it looks like? You know, Mary, she didn't even get to like brag on Jesus. Like my kids take trash to the trash can. They learned how to do that. It's glorious. They like actually take it to the trash can by themselves. So I could cry. And I'm like on Instagram. <laughs> children are taking trash to the trash cans. Amazing. Like I'm bragging about all the little and like not significant things. Like Mary couldn't even do that. Wasn't about that though. Wasn't about a a pride of carrying him. It wasn't about, it, it wasn't about any of that to her. It was just about being willing to take on this task that God had put in front of her. And I know a lot of times when, when we think about this, when we think about Mary carrying Jesus, it's like, wow, what an honor. That must have been incredible. Even though it came with these things, that must have been amazing. But you know what I realized? It wasn't that Mary never had to face disappointment. It, it wasn't just this wild, jolly ride of carrying Jesus. She actually, she faced incredible disappointment. I mean, if, you, if you're a parent in the house, you understand almost a deeper way of what this means. But to lose a child is one of the most heart-wrenching things I hear as a parent. And yet, we see that Mary was at the foot of the cross watching her son being brutally beaten and killed. Her carrying the presence of God didn't go without disappointment. It wasn't all fun and games. And I don't know what Mary knew as she, she knelt there. You know, we don't read anything about Joseph being there because people believe he would have already passed on by them because he would have been much older. But now we even have, if that had happened, she's now a widowed mama watching her son be brutally killed. And maybe she knew just three days. I don't know. Maybe Jesus whispered in her ear, and it's not in Scripture, and he told her, Mama, don't worry. I, I don't know what happened. But again, I can only imagine the questions that probably went through her, he- her head. And I want to say to you, if you're facing disappointment this morning, if you're looking at it straight in its eye, if you're kneeling down at this disappointment, I want to tell you that it might be three days. It might be three years. It might be 30 years. But God is faithful. And what he says will come to pass. And even though you don't know that in three days that very thing is going to be resurrected, God is faithful. And if you feel like, why am I even in the middle of this disappointment? God does this incredible thing where he beautifully intertwines and works all things out for good. I don't understand it. But I know he does it. A lot of times it's just a heart position of are we willing are we willing, even in that moment? And maybe Gabriel was smart in not telling Mary everything of what would come. But even without details and information, she was humble and she was confident and she was willing. And I believe that that's what God wants from us as we carry his presence. He wants us to be humble in it. He wants us to be confident in it. And he wants us to be willing
the places that he will take us, the places that he will take you that you would never go will require you to be those things. I'm going to say it again. The places he wants to take you, the things he wants to birth from you will require your humbleness, will require your confidence in him, and will require you to say, I'm willing, God, right now, tomorrow, forever. Lord, I am willing. I don't know what the heck this is going to look like, but I'm willing. God loves doing the impossible. It's part of his character. He loves it. He loves doing the impossible. If we're not seeing the impossible, we're not fully seeing all of God. He loves to do the impossible every day, every second. So if there's an impossible situation in your life, I'm telling you that God loves to do the impossible. It just may not be in your timing. I'm going to end with this. You know, when, when, when Gabriel says, listen, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the, the one to be born will be called the Son of God. Who knows that doesn't make logical sense. I'm going to be overshadowed. I'm going to get pregnant supernaturally. It doesn't make sense, but that's what God does. It's he'll overshadow your situation. And you're allowed to ask for it. Holy Spirit, come and overshadow this situation. Holy Spirit, conceive in me this very thing that I feel like God's calling me to do. You know, in, in Genesis, when, um, when, when he says, let us make man in our own shadow, there's an overshadowing that's happened even in the image of who we are. We've been overshadowed since the beginning. There's an overshadowing on your life that is unexplainable, that doesn't make sense in the natural. But it's because of that overshadowing of God that we are propelled to do what he's called us to do. And in his timing, I'm confident he'll bring forth what is growing inside of you. Right? Because who knows, like, when you at least for the women in the house that have had babies before, like the first trimester you're kind of showing and you're like really excited about being pregnant and you're telling everybody. And then, and then the second trimester you kind of like get a little bit bigger and you're a little uncomfortable. And then the third, you're like, I'm ready. When are you coming? And I feel like there are many of you here and you're like, I'm ready. When is this thing coming? I'm, I'm prophetically speaking now. I, this is for you guys. It's like there are people that you, you feel pregnant with expectation of this thing. And you've been wondering, when is it going to come? When is it going to come to pass? When is this thing going to be birthed? And it's like the Lord is saying in your faithfulness of, of committing to just time with him, he's going to bring it in its perfect timing because his timing is way better than ours. Way better than mine. Praise God. It'll come. It's coming. But in his timing. I want you to stand with me. I'm going to pray over us. I have our prayer team. Come on. Come forward. Yeah, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for each person here today. God, I thank you that you have entrusted us to carry your presence. Yeah, Father, right now, I just, yeah, I speak against any lie that anyone has felt that they're not equipped or enough, Father, to carry you with them, to lead with you. Lord, I thank you that they are. 
I feel like there's two people here specifically. You've never given your life to the Lord. I know we did an altar call in the beginning, but I feel a lot of a lot of power on this. There's two people you've never given your life to the Lord. You actually didn't even know what was available, and He's saying it's available. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Everybody else, you just got your eyes shut. We're not trying to look at them. I want you to raise your hand because God is saying, I'm about to do the impossible, but I need you to believe. Yeah, Lord. Lord, I just pray for an overshadowing, an unexplainable overshadowing in this place over these people. God, that you would bring forth the very thing that you have placed in each person. Each person has a purpose that you want to birth. And so, God, I thank you for that, Lord. We love you. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if y'all need prayer, um, come on up. Amazing prayer team. Um, we love you. Happy Mother's Day. Give a woman a high five. Um, we actually have flowers. So if you are a lady in the house, Ashby and Allison are going to hand these out to you. Please come and get a flower. We love you and we honor you. All right. See y'all next week. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.